faithfulness. When we think about these words, they um, can kind of feel nebulous, right? For many of us in this room, we came into faith on Jesus in a very particular way. Many of us share the same story. We were either raised in homes of faith, where Jesus was talked about a lot, and then we made a decision for ourselves to follow Jesus. Maybe we were a part of a vacation Bible school or a very vibrant children's ministry. Um, and so faith felt like something that was just kind of um, easy for us to lean into because our whole life was filled with like just wonder and curiosity and just believing in things and ideas that are bigger than us that feel fantastic. But as we grow in our faith, and as we become adults, and as we become, see more of the world and the struggles of the world, it's very easy for us to let go or lose that awe, that wonder, that willingness to lean into something bigger than ourselves, the vulnerability of believing in fantastic ideas, the cynicism that takes away the sweetness of a miracle. But when we are, as a community, entering into this space of discernment, particularly about how we are going to join the Moravian Church if we are, and if the Moravian framework for faith is one that aligns with us, we have to ask ourselves the question, what exactly do we do with this idea of faith? And what particularly about this framework allows us to recapture some of that awe, some of that hope, some of that vulnerability, if at all. Because I don't know about you, but I have too many things going on in my life, too many things that are pulling away from my life to invest in something that doesn't, that doesn't serve me in some real meaningful way. And I think for some of us, that's why faith can kind of be that thing of like, yeah, I have it, but I don't really know what it is, but like, I think I should say I have it because that's an indicator to other people that I'm a good person and that I have some sort of moral or ethical framework. So yes, I'm a person of faith, but really, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, when we are looking at the Moravians and asking ourselves their answer to that question, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a person of faith? There are a couple of hallmark moments that um, we, we explore, that we think back to. And one of them has to do with a group singing on a boat in the midst of a storm. Much like the disciples, there is a group coming from a um, group full of English and German people who were coming to America. And I don't have time to kind of talk about all the kind of misguided notions that they may have had in coming to America, which there were some. But these were people who, were, who said they were people of faith. Some of them were people who said they had very vibrant faiths. And then there were some who actually showed what it looks like to be a person of faith in an extreme circumstance. So John and Charles Wesley were brothers, and they were aboard this ship when that ship encountered a storm. They were commissioned to be um, missionaries from the Anglican Church to go to the colony of Georgia. And on that ship was a group of Moravians. Um, they were from uh, Germany, which is like modern-day Czech Republic or part of Germany, which is now modern-day Czech Republic. Um, and they were there um, to go to the Americas as well, to set up a community um, there as well. And when they were uh, 
on this ship together, and this storm uh, started tossing the boat from side to side, where everyone was sure that they were going to die at sea. John Wesley looked around and noticed that this group of German faithful people were singing. Their adults and children alike were singing. And this was really impressive to Wesley because he was like, I am full on here, ordained by a full on denomination to go and full on talk about Jesus to other people. And I am terrified. I don't think that I'm going to be okay. But now we have these people who are singing and not just singing, but singing hymns about God and God's presence with them. So John goes to one of the leaders in that Moravian group and he asks them, were you not afraid? And the the man said, "Uh, I thank God, no. And then Wesley goes on to say, but like where your women and children were afraid? Like, yes, your male constitution says you are not afraid. But those women and children were singing too. Like, what was up with that? And the man replied back. He said, no, our women and children are not afraid to die. The storm was great. It was terrible. It was life-threatening. And yet they sat in the sweetness of God's presence when the sting of life was all around them. This is the kind of faith that the Moravian tradition invites us to contemplate when we, uh, when we gather together, when we sing together, when we, when we worship together, when we talk about Jesus together. The theological framework for, um, for Moravians, when they talk about faith, it is more than belief. It's more than saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, historically, there's enough proof to say that there was a man named Jesus. And I believe in him. Or even more, I believe in Jesus. I I believe in the table-turning, you know, um, uh, rebel, misfit who spoke truth to power. It's more than that belief. It's more than even the belief that, yes, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner and my life needed to be redeemed. And so Jesus came and he redeemed me and I get to be in heaven. It's more than a belief system. Faith is more than an emotion, it is action. It is saying, I believe in Jesus. And so I'm gonna have an ongoing relationship and conversation with Jesus throughout my life, throughout my day. I believe in the Jesus who spoke truth to power, who spoke on behalf of the oppressed, so I am going to speak truth to power and to overturn systems of oppression. It is more than just saying, I believe that when I die, because none of us know really what happens when I die, I'm going to end up in heaven, because that's a way better option than what I was told was available to me. It is, I believe that I'm going to live this life as beloved and in the presence of God. And then when I die, I just get to live in that in a fuller, greater extent. That love was and is and will always be available to me. Faith is a full awareness of the presence of God. And so we look at Jesus. So how does Jesus factor in this? Jesus was our primary example of a faithful person, the kind of person who says, great is your faithfulness. Oh God, my Father. Jesus, who had implicit trust in the Father and nurtured a way of living that was aware of God's love in his life. 
This awareness allowed Jesus to love others, to make sacrifices for the greater good, and challenge systems, ideologies, and practices that prevent human flourishing. When we, as a community, ask ourselves, does the Moravian church have a framework that we feel good about? Well, this is the framework that the Moravian church is asking us to consider. And it's one that we have been preaching here at Roots for the five years that Pastor TC and I have been around. Faith is awareness of God's love in action. Faith is an awareness of God's love in your everyday life. Faith is an awareness of God's love when you go to vote, when you go to speak to your, your, your kid's teacher about something that happened in the classroom, when you show up on a Zoom call or in a meeting. Faith is God's love in action when you're in those spaces. Faith is God's love in action when you are in a depressive spiral and the sting of this world is so great Faith is God's love in action that says, I can get through this. This is really bad right now, but this is not all that there is to being human. Faith is God's love in action in our life. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor TC talked about the essentials, things that form our response to God's grace, faith, hope, and love. And this, when I think about this, is a very integrated way of approaching our spiritual formation. We are led by the Spirit into a faith through an experience. We learn, the, we learn to lean into the love of God through regular habits of spiritual formation. And we live with hope that, that the same Jesus who endured hardships and frustrations, who was fully human and fully divine, is with us cheering us on and will welcome us into our eternal joy with him after this life. Faith, hope, and love are pictures of an integrated life, of a faithful person. And I know you're not really supposed to say the definition of a word in the definition of the word, but just roll with me on this one. When I think about integration, I think about a conversation that I had with a friend. At the end of the year, I kind of do this kind of evaluation of like what has worked and what has not worked. And then I try to fix the things that have not worked by maybe saying no or advocating for myself a little bit more. Or, and, and I look at the things that worked really well and see how can I spend more time with those things? How can I spend more energy with those things? And one of those things that I noticed was that I have, since I've been in the spiritual direction program, found such joy in integrating con contemplative practices and, and conversations and practices and um, curriculum and resources. Like I've, I've loved just coming up with ways to help people enter into their faith and embody practical ways to be aware of God's presence. And so I started looking at all the things that I was doing to just to kind of um, cobble together our life, our income. One of the things that you should know about us is that Pastor TC and I feel really strongly about being bivocational. We never want the church to be financially strained in order to take care of us. And so we receive some money from the church as a part of our income, but most of our income is made up of outside jobs. And so for me, I've been kind of cobbling together these jobs to make ends meet and figure things out. And I've had to say some of those jobs are not speaking to the way that I am formed as a contemplative person. Some of those ways that I was just kind of showing up to do the work was actually draining on me. And so I started getting rid of those things or asking in those spaces, hey, instead of me like creating a spreadsheet, could I create like some prayer practices for our team? Could I serve in that capacity? Could, I, could part of my hours be used to that? So that was a way of me kind of integrating, bringing all of the parts of myself into this job. 
that is a picture of an, that is a, an, a way of us thinking of an integrated faith or being an integrated spiritual person. We're looking at all the different parts of who we are and we are kind of help, trying to figure out how to help them align with what feels really true and good and authentic for us. And Jesus actually says that this is an indicator of spiritual maturity. This entering into an integrated space, integrated way of living our life, um, having an integrated faith. He says um, in Matthew, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, which we're going to talk about next week when I teach on unity, is love your neighbor, ask yourself, all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So what Jesus is saying is that in, that when I, want, when I think of you fully living into your call to follow me, the, the one thing that I want you to truly focus on is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Take all of the pieces of who you are and bring them in, in the light of God's love for you. And let the sunlight of God's love for you um, cultivate and nourish your heart, your soul, and your mind. An integrated follower of Jesus is someone who looks for God's love in our heart, in our soul, in our mind. Well, what does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but I, I kind of want to address something that always happens to me when I see all in scripture. I have this tendency because of like, it's my spirituality, it's Jesus, it's, it's like so big, I mean, it matters, so it's like all or nothing, if, and I have to do this right, and I have to be perfect, and oh my gosh, so like, Jesus saying with all my heart, but like, I like pizza, and I love my kids, and I go to yoga, and that doesn't feel super spiritual all the time, and then like, I, there are some things I like to read that are not the Bible, so I'm not going to like, love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, I'm not a monk. So I think we often kind of fall into a misinterpretation of Matthew 5:48. When we think of a scripture like this, we kind of, a lot of us hold in our mind this idea of perfection. We think of maybe having been taught that Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And we're like, but we can't do that. We are not God. And I don't even know what perfection is. When we look at the original language of this passage or the scripture, the, the translation is more like, be whole as I am whole. Be whole as your heavenly father is whole. God is a picture of an integrated life. When we talk about um, our theology of the Holy Spirit, we think of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that is an integrated picture of God. Whole, this ongoing love that goes between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and that pours out over us. So when we are invited into this idea of integration, we're not invited into this idea of perfection. We're not always going to love God with our whole hearts all the time. We're not always going to love God with our whole souls all the time. And we're not always going to love God with our whole minds all the time. That is, that's impossible. But we can seek wholeness. We can seek to be whole in our hearts, mind, and soul. So ooh, another way of thinking of this passage is Jesus saying, be integrated as your heavenly father is integrated. So we're going to talk about those three in our last few moments together. We're going to talk about those three areas. We're going to talk about heart, soul, and mind. And what are, what are those? And what does that mean? And how then, if, if, if faith is the love of God in action in our life, 
If faithfulness is being aware of God's presence and God's desire for our wholeness and flourishing in these three areas, what exactly are these three areas? Well, first I want to talk about is heart. When the Moravians think about a, a, a faith of the heart, it's almost always is asking, have you had an experience where you've been aware of God's love? Like I said, for many of us, that happened when we were little. That happened when we were in a vacation Bible school and someone says, God loves you so much that Jesus came and died for you so that you can be with him. Or maybe it came when we were taught that children's song, Jesus Loves Me. I actually was tearing up last week when I was sitting with our kiddos because one of the things that I've noticed as your pastor watching our kiddos is that many of us are kind of like deconstructed, reconstructed Christians, right? Like we believed one thing, we worked our way out of that, but we still want to hold Jesus at the center. And so, and all of that was often happening while we were thinking about having children or full on having kids. My kids are 20, 17, and 16. So this happened when they were really little. And one of the things that I, that I noticed and that some of us have, ta- have mentioned to me is that those things that we were taught as children kind of like freak us out a little bit. Like we're not sure that we want to integrate some of those songs or some of those stories because like we, we're not sure how to talk about them um, in, a, in a way that kind of lines up with what we believe right now or where we are on our faith journeys. But as I was teaching, our, so, when, so our kids have like, didn't know this little light of mine. And I was like, you don't know this little light of mine? And then last week, they didn't know Jesus loves me. I was like, you don't know Jesus loves me? And I was like, okay. So we have to somehow go back to those things that nurtured that wonder, that awe, that awareness of God's presence when we were little. We have to go back to that. If not for our sake, for our littles. So when the Moravians talk about a faith of the heart, it is that faith that, again, that, uh, that uh, came when we were first aware of God's deep love for us. It could have happened at a revival. It could have happened when you were reading something. It could, have been ha- it could have happened when having a conversation with a friend who loves Jesus and said, you know, I love Jesus because this, and that really resonated with you. I don't know your story. I don't know all of our faith journeys. But I do know that if we're in this room curious about Jesus, there must have been a moment. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to and sing along, if you want, to Jesus Loves Me. It's going to be in English and Spanish. And while this song is playing over us, and if we can turn it up just a little, just a little bit, while this song is playing over us, I want you to take some deep breaths and allow yourself to go back to Little Rose or Little Dusta or Little Emmanuel. Go back to that place, that, that place where you first experience God's love for you. And allow yourself to sit in that as we listen to Jesus Loves Me.
All right, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. I'm going to invite you to sit um, as, as you have spent the last few moments, just an awareness of God's love for you going back to that place. I want you to just sit and check in with yourself. How does it feel in your body? How does it feel in your chest? What are the things that you remember about that moment? What room were you in? What people were around you? Was the uh, gritty taste of graham crackers still in your mouth from snack? Was there a ring of Kool-Aid around your lips? Was there flannel graph? felt picture of Jesus in front of you. Where were you in that moment? Take yourself to that moment and just sit there. And I want you to imagine yourself as a child in that space. Now, now imagine yourself as you are now. In your 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s, wherever you are however you are. I want you to imagine yourself sitting in that space, feeling that love and that awareness of God's presence anew. Now imagine Jesus is walking into the room as you conceptualize Jesus. For me, he is a brown man, because that's historically correct, and I'm a brown woman. I want you to imagine Jesus looking you in your eyes and saying, I still love you. I have never stopped loving you. Sit in that for a moment. And when you're ready, imagine yourself back into the seat that you are. Keep your eyes closed, though. Just imagine yourself back in the seat that you are now. Now imagine Jesus looking at you and saying, see, I never stopped loving you. And when you're ready, open your eyes. A faith of the heart is a faith that allows ourselves to go back to that space regularly. It's like when you go back and look at your wedding pictures and you're like, oh my gosh, I remember that person and we had that food and that song and I was just so in love and so full of hope. It's important for us to have a heart of faith. And so that's what Jesus is saying is the love the Lord your God with all of your heart. It's go back to those spaces and those memories when Jesus was really real and present for you, when God's love was really real and present for you. And if you don't have those memories, cultivate spaces and opportunities for those memories. Go away. Go to a retreat. Read a book. Listen to music. But make space to tend to that part of your spiritual formation. Now, next, Jesus talks about uh, loving God with your whole soul. Now, what is that? Essentially, that means loving God with your essential you, 
your personality, your emotions, your cultural background, your core memories. So that means for me as a brown woman that when I engage with my faith, I, I look for theologians who look, who look like me. I look for theologians who can, who can tell stories about their connection with God because it's a reclamation of something that has been ignored. But also I have ADHD. So I know that like I'm not going to read a full-on theology book like Pastor TC. It's not going to happen. So like I know that like I need something small and short, like a five-minute devotional or the Moravian Daily Text because that is a part of my essential who I am. I'm in a season of my life where my kids are older so I can go away to retreats. But when my kids were little, part of loving God is the essential of who I am was saying, you know what? I'm just going to look for you, Jesus, in this veggie tales because that is all that I really have time for right now because I am too tired at night to do a full on devotional. Loving God with all your soul is saying that I bring my full self, my mind, body, like my mind and my body my chemistry, makeup, all this, I bring my full self into my spiritual formation. So I honor my full self in my spiritual formation. So that means that, you, you know, like here at Roots, we try to make space for that by singing in different languages, by learning what your stories are and integrating them into our worship gathering because we want you to see a glimpse of yourself as a faithful person. Because if we never see that, then we don't think that that's possible and then we move a little bit further and further away from loving the Lord, our God, with all our soul. And the last thing we're going to talk about is loving God with all of our mind. And this is essentially, nope. <clears throat> These two parts essentially is being mindful of um, our theology and what it is that we believe about God. Having conversations in community about the, the ways that the sting of life is slipping in and taking away from the sweetness and encouraging each other in scripture. It's being willing to say, I, uh, I, I don't know what I don't know, like I believe, but help me in my unbelief. It's being willing to say, I don't have to have it all figured out. But I do know, I do trust in God's love. And so I'm, I'm going to be curious. I'm going to stay curious about my faith. I think one of the things that breaks my heart is when somebody has a deep um, woundedness around faith and then they kind of have a season where they're looking for God in all these cool places and then all of a sudden they just stop looking for God altogether and they've, because they've lost that curiosity. They've lost that ability to love God with all their mind. So that's why here at Roots, like, we really do care about what you believe and we really do want to have conversations and answer some of those hard questions. But also, loving God with all of our mind means we're thinking about what we think about God. What are the pictures of God that we have been that we've received that don't serve us any well, serve us uh, well anymore? And how do we address those pictures of God? How do we change those pictures of God to always look like Jesus? Loving God with all your heart is summed up in this picture that I have in my house, and I don't have it here, but I have this plaque in my kitchen, and you walk in, and every day it says, or it says, every day we are born again. It says, every day we are born again. Basically, that means that every day I am choosing to be curious about my faith, and curious about where God's presence is, and curious about what I believe. Every single day, it's a choice. So heart is going back to that emotional piece. When did I experience God's love? Soul is that physical piece. I'm bringing my full, whole self into God's presence. And mind and strength is that, is that piece that says every single day I'm choosing 
to be aware of God's presence. I'm choosing to stay curious. And if we can do that, then we are following Jesus' first commandment. Um, Brother Lawrence has a quote that I'm going to close with that kind of just wraps up this idea. Do we have it? Yeah. No, Pastor TC didn't put it in. Um, He says, let us occupy ourselves entirely in knowing God. The more we know him, the more we will desire to know him. As love increases with knowledge, the more we know God, the more we will truly love him. We will learn to love him equally in times of distress and in times of great joy. That is what loving God in this holistic heart, soul, mind, and strength way is allowing ourselves allowing ourselves to be occupied in knowing God. And I'm going to um, show this picture and then invite Pastor TC to come back with the kids and read this little blessing over you. So this is a picture of a conductor. Next week we're going to talk about um, how God kind of allows us to bring in all of our unique offerings, our unique selves, our full selves, into a community so that our community can live in harmony with each other. But what Jesus also is, is he's a conductor of all of these parts. See, a life of a, of a, a faithful life, a life of faith, is allowing Jesus to say, here's what's going on in your heart. Here's how, this is what, these are the things that are kind of getting in the way of you connecting with me. Or here's how you really connect with me. Let's do a little bit more of that. Let's do less of the thing that doesn't work. Let's bring that in harmony. It's, let me fine tune that for you. Here's what is a part of your essential you. Like right now, you're really wanting to lean into your cultural identity. So let's do more of that. Let's fine tune that. Let's make that sound the very best it can. Let's bring it um, into harmony with heart. Well, here are the choices that you're making, or here are the pictures of me that you have, or here are the, theolo- the theologies that are not serving you any well anymore, any well, but you're well anymore, but you're not asking questions. So let's fine tune that. Let's ask some more questions. Let's get in community a little bit more. Let's read a little bit more so that it sounds its best, so it all is in harmony with each other. Loving God with all of our heart is allowing Jesus to be the conductor of all of the things that make us us. Allowing Jesus to be the conductor of all the things that make you, you. So we are going to, they're coming back, okay. So we are going to do, uh, we're going to take a moment of silence. And um, here is something from Howard Thurman in our silence that I'm going to read over us as a closing prayer. And then we'll take communion together. So God, we come into this space aware that we want to have faith, but not always sure what that looks like or what that means. We want to be people of faith. So Jesus, we want you to conduct our heart, mind, soul, strength. And we want to be aware of your presence. We want to sound We want to be aware of your presence in the same way that Howard Thurman was aware of your presence. When he says, God is present with me in the midst of my anxieties. I affirm in my own heart and mind the reality of his presence. He makes immediately available to me the strength of his goodness, the reassurance of his wisdom, and the heartiness of his courage. 
My anxieties are real. They are the result of a wide variety of experiences, some of which I understand and some of which I do not understand. One thing I know concerning my thoughts, the presence of God does not always deliver me from my anxiety, but it's always deliverance from anxiety, which means fundamental growth in my spiritual character and awareness. It becomes a quality of being emerging from deep within, giving to all the underlies, all that underlies experiences, whatever may be the tempestuous nature of events. This calm is a manifestation of life, of the active dynamic presence of God. So Jesus, you are with us in our anxieties, you're present with us, and allow us to be people of faith who are aware of the active dynamic presence of God. Amen. Amen.